book of John, chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 35. I encourage you to follow along. You can read on screen as well. So Jesus said to them, the light is among you. Let me hear you say the light. The light is among you. Common theme that we're seeing in this passage. The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. When Jesus has said these things to them, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done many signs before them, they still did not believe in him, so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Look at this in verse 41. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. So I want to read this passage of Scripture because we just taught through this passage of Scripture last week. And it gives context to the passage that we'll be walking through today, which we're going to read in a moment. But I wanted to reiterate this fact that Jesus consistently calls himself the light, tells us that he is not a light, but he is rather light, just light, the embodiment of light itself. And so as we prepare our hearts this morning, I want to encourage you to just take that fact in right now. Because as I walk in today, as I spend time through the week meeting and talking and praying, I know that there is just so much chaos in our society, in our culture, in our homes right now, maybe even mentally, emotionally, very much spiritually right now, taking place in, in many of us, in our friends and families. And I want to let you know that despite what is happening in your life, Jesus is light Despite the darkness that you feel like you might be living in personally or otherwise, Jesus is light to the glory of God the Father. Amen? And so we just want to set the tone right from the onset today that as we speak of this light, as we talk of this light, as we worship this light, it is an honor, it is a privilege, it is a humble thing that we get to come before the light who is the Son of God. And this week, we will celebrate the birth of this light into our darkness. And there is no way that we can even begin to comprehend what that truly means for us. Right. So today, I'm going to encourage you to just open up your soul to this light who loves you, cares for you, sees you, knows you, longs for relationship with you. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes as we prepare our hearts this morning. Father, as we open our hearts to you today, we ask that you would invade this space, invade our hearts, our minds. May you be our sole focus. 
that we think on you. Nothing else. Lord, forgive us for where we have failed you. Help us, Father, in our weakness. May we not be informed by our old identity, who we used to be, the things we used to do and struggle with. God, please remind us of our new identity in Jesus Christ because of Jesus Christ, informed by Jesus Christ, by the man, by the God, Jesus Christ, who laid down his life for us so that we could know you, God. God, you rule and reign sovereign and supreme. We declare that today. We believe in Jesus Christ, your son, who is equally God, who came to this earth as the incarnation, walked in our shoes, died on a cross, rose from the grave to offer us forgiveness to anyone and whoever would believe in him. We believe in the Holy Spirit who is God living inside of us as we become a holy temple and offer up a sweet aroma and fragrance to you. You speak to us through your word which is authoritatively true and absolutely true we are your church and we gather together your ecclesia the gathered ones we gather to make much of Jesus to raise him high because when Jesus is lifted up he draws all men to himself all women to himself all children to himself for the purpose of seeking for the purpose of redeeming and restoring we declare this so spirit would you work and move in your house today in Jesus name with your eyes closed your heads bowed would you just take a moment we need to break through a little bit of the spiritual barrier that we have today if you will there's a lot of rushed and hurried and stress in this room right now that comes with this season I understand but I'm going to challenge you today to lay that down focus on Jesus. Right now, do what you need to do to get centered before the light. Right now, quietness and stillness at this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said... Amen. You guys can grab a seat. Turn and shake somebody's hand. Welcome them to church today. Let's jump in. So we wanted to read last week's passage of Scripture to give some extra context into this week's passage of Scripture. We're going to be picking up and finishing up John chapter 12. Can you believe it? We're finishing John chapter 12. And you say, well, Travis, what's next? John chapter 13. Isn't that awesome? John chapter 13. In fact, in January, we're going to begin John chapter 13. And here's what's interesting. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a, I'm a little anxious about 13, 14, and 15, January, February, and March for a number of reasons. As I've mentioned the last couple of weeks, we are seeing the end to Jesus's public ministry. We're seeing an end to his broad teachings, to large groups of people. We're seeing him kind of go, I hate to use the word underground, but to a degree, that's what he's doing. 
He's drawing the people that are closest to him to himself, and, and right before his crucifixion, clearly before his resurrection and his ascension. But John spends a significant amount of time in 13, 14, and 15 talking about the, if you could call them maybe the tighter teachings of Jesus Christ. And tighter by that, I, I, I mean the more challenging to people he knows and loves personally, like intimately, like more than acquaintance, but knows them, calls them friends. And, and the reason I say I'm a little anxious, I hate to use that word, it's just a challenging couple chapters. And so we're going to be talking and marrying scripture and what society and culture is walking through. I don't believe in any coincidences. We do walk through expositorily, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. That's how we've chosen to teach. I do believe that is probably the, the best idea biblically if we want to grow as a church, right? There's a lot of things we could talk about, but if we're not talking through God's word, then it really doesn't help us at all. Um, so that's what we've chosen to do. But here's my point. I don't think it's any coincidence that 13, 14, and 15 fall into a time in history for us as Americans where we are seeing more, quote, Christians and, quote, believers go through what is called deconstructionism. And deconstructing your faith is where you begin to just literally walk through all the tenets of Scripture and your faith, and you deconstruct them. And what we see is people moving into progressive Christianity, having a short layover there, quickly moving into deconstructionism, and then walking from the faith. We are seeing this in our generation. We're seeing this especially in the generation behind us. And it's becoming, I would say, near or borderline epidemic territory. And so what we're going to do is we're going to spend January, February, and March hopefully answering a lot of these deconstruction questions that have arisen throughout society. Who is Jesus? What is he really saying? What does it mean to truly be a follower? Is Jesus the only way? Is he the actual truth? And I can promise you this. Uh, we're going to teach through scripture. And here's what's interesting, okay, just to give you a little prelude. Jesus was a deconstructionist. Yeah. You have to understand this, okay? Because not all deconstruction is bad. When you use the Bible to deconstruct the church, that's a good thing. We use scripture to critique church. We use scripture to critique religion. Scripture informs that. What has taken place, though, is many now are using the world to deconstruct the Bible, the world to deconstruct scripture. And that is something we will not stand for. And so for us, we're going to talk about Jesus, the deconstructionist revolutionary who ended up getting murdered because of his views and truth that he shared with, as we're going to see, his close friends over the next couple chapters. So that's going to be in January. Don't forget, we do not have in-person church this next Sunday. We will be online only. So join us for our Sunday Sabbath there. It's going to be good times. All right, let's jump in. I want you to take notes today. If you are here and you're ready, let me hear you say, let's go. I'm going to, okay, let me be honest with you. I'm going to need much more than that. Come on, I say it every week. If you're ready, let me hear you say, let's go. Let's go. All right, we're going to start off in verse 44. John chapter 12, verse 44. And Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but him who sent me. Look at what he says in verse 45 then. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I've come into the world as, there's that word again, light, 
so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. Interesting. For I did not come into the world, come to judge the world, but to save the world. In just a moment, this, this, this phrase from Jesus, this sentence is going to seem kind of counterintuitive and could be a little paradoxical, but we'll get to that in a moment. He says, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment. It's interesting. What to say, what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. This is a fascinating passage on a number of levels, but I have to give you just a little bit of contextual information. Jesus is banking on the understanding that the people he's talking to understand to some degree that he is the fulfillment of prophecy, that he is, as John would try to tell, tell us, the overarching theme, right, that he is God, that he is the Messiah, and that he is the great hope of humanity and the world. And because of that, Jesus is walking into this situation, understanding, uh, maybe believing that many among the people he's speaking to understand that he is the incarnation, now, what do I mean by that? We've talked about that many times. The incarnation, if you're taking notes, is simple. It's not simple. It might be simple to write down, but it is a challenging tenet, but I would say one of the most foundational tenets theologically to our faith. The incarnation is the understanding that Jesus came into this world, God came into this world, put on flesh and bone and blood, that God became human. Now, don't misunderstand me. Uh, we've spoken through the theological understanding of the hypostatic union. God, Jesus rather, did not lose his uh, deity by entering into this world, but rather he was fully God and fully human. Amen? We, 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 we agree with that, yes? Okay, pretty important there. But it's very important for us to understand the incarnation. By the way, Christmas is the celebration of the incarnation. God coming into this world, putting on flesh and bone and walking with us. This is massive. And it's massive on a number of levels. One of the levels is that Jesus, watch this now, because of the incarnation, because of the relationship he has with God the Father, because of humanity, our separation from God, Jesus is the way that humanity interfaces in real time with God. Jesus is the way humanity interfaces in real time with God, and specifically God the Father. They say, Travis, what does that mean? It means this. Jesus is the tangible understanding of God that we have. The touch, the feel, the smell, the visual, the literal representation of God on earth. Understand. Had it not been for Jesus, had it not still been for Jesus, there would truly be no way for us to physically interact with God on the level that Jesus Christ offers to us. Previous to the coming of Jesus Christ, the way that people had to interact with God was there was a holy of holies. Remember this in the tabernacle, right? And, and what would happen is that a priest, we've spoken on this so many times, a priest would have to make all these confessions and prayers and, and sanctify himself and wash himself over and over, and he would go behind the veil, 
this thick curtain in the middle of this large tent in the middle of a larger area, maybe a tent, right, an open area after sacrifices were made. And he would go, this priest, this individual man, would go on behalf of the community and stand before God. And he would encounter what scripture calls the Shekinah glory of God. This is in the Holy of Holies. And it was terrifying, right? It's not like a worship service we have here where hands are raised and there's all the feel goods. No, this is a fear-inducing, terrifying thing to encounter the presence of the living God embodied here on earth through the Shekinah glory. Scary. Priests dropped dead. This is not something that people were like, hey, I'm, I, I get to go this year. It, it's a very scary thing, honorable thing, but very scary thing. And there were only a few select individuals that could go before or enter into the holies of holies. Fascinating, by the way, Jesus Christ, as he dies on the cross, you guys hanging with me, yeah? Yep. Today's going to be a little bit of a fire hydrant day, so just kind of hang tight. Jesus Christ dies on the cross. At the moment of his death, a couple specific and key things happen. Number one, it says the sky grows dark. Number two, it says there's a great earthquake. Number three, it says that the dead walk among the living. More on that when we get there. It's fascinating. But number four, it says the veil was torn. Or if you're an old schooler, the veil was rent in twain. I love that, right? What is the, what is the importance of that? It means now, because of Jesus Christ, the incarnation of God into humanity, all access has been granted to all humanity. You no longer have to be a priest to interface with God. You no longer have to be holy to find yourself in his presence. You no longer have to be in a selected bloodline or tribe or people group to get face time with God. Because of the blood, death, sacrifice, and resurrection of Jesus, Jesus Christ, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is an important thing for us. This is a massive understanding for us. And without the incarnation and the understanding of that, there is no access to God the Father for us. And so you have to understand why, understand why I'm a little hyped about this. It's very important because it is how. Jesus is how. I interface in real time with God the Father. Had it not been for Jesus Christ, God would be a distant thought that I literally could not connect to. But because of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, we have access to God. The veil has been torn, the relationship restored, and Jesus becomes my conduit to God. Not only that, but Jesus... Through Jesus, we, we get to have a better understanding of who God is, 100%. In fact, we see God's character, his essence, even his nature through the man, Jesus Christ. You say, what do you mean by that? We get a better understanding of who God is through Jesus. We get an understanding of who God is, his character, essence, and nature. And so in other words, when Jesus meets the adulterous woman who's thrown before him, and he gets down and he says, I do not condemn you. Get up. Go sin no more. Understand that is a picture of God. 
He is not demonstrating nature, character, essence different from God. No, he is just literally the conduit through which God is working to demonstrate his character, nature, and essence. And so for many of us, you might say like, well, I'm down with Jesus, but God the Father, that's a whole other beast. I just don't really understand him. I don't get him. I think he's disappointed with me. I think he's angry with me. And what I would say is this, and what I would challenge you with is this. If you want to get to know God, get to know Jesus. If you want to understand more about God, get to know Jesus. Because we see God's character, his essence, and his nature through Jesus Christ. He also demonstrates his love, his, his patience, his desire for relationship. You know, that's one of the things that I think is most fascinating to me about God the Father. Here is this sovereign, supreme being who rules, who creates, who opens his mouth, as scripture says, and universes and galaxies and planets and stars spring forth, and yet he desires a relationship with you, with me. And you say, well, I just don't, that. he just seems too big, he doesn't have time for me. And yet we understand that through the man, Jesus Christ, who goes after the broken, who goes after the sinner, so much so that he's called a friend of sinners. Jesus spent more time with people who were not religious than he did with religious people. You ever feel like doing that sometimes, by the way? Right? Why? Because God cares about authenticity. You say, how do you know that? Because Jesus demonstrated authenticity in his relationships. When he was frustrated, he told you. When he was angry, he told you. When he was broken, he told you. When he was hurt, he wept. Jesus demonstrated authenticity, which informs us of this. God wants an authentic relationship with you. Now, don't miss that. Don't miss that. Please don't miss that. I know that there is this hierarchical religiosity that we can all come underneath and fall lockstep into. Showing up, giving, serving, going home, going to group, showing up, giving. And I know that there is this kind of like habitual thing that we can do with religion. But beyond all that, take all that to the side first and foremost. God desires an authentic relationship with you. Regardless of who you are, where you've come from, what you've done in this moment, now God desires you. And we know that through the man, Jesus Christ. Now, look at this. I want you to pull up verse 46 for me, if you could, because we're going to kind of get into it. This is going to kind of be uh, the prelude into the deeper portion of what Jesus is going to teach for us here. Uh, verse 46, if you could throw that up on the screen. I'm going to read it off the screen, if we could. Perfect. Jesus says this, I have come into the world, read this with me now, as light, as light. Light, so that whoever believes in me may not, keyword here, watch this, what's that word? Remain. Remain in darkness. I have come into the world as light, not as a light, not as something that appears to be light, not one of many lights. I've come into this world as just straight up light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Now, this is, inter this is interesting because understand, Jesus has repeated this now a number of times. He's repeated the fact that he is light. The light and the darkness. I'm light. I'm light. This is light. I'm not a light. I am a light. And here's what I can tell you. I want you to write this down. When Jesus repeats something, you best listen. That's right. <laughs> 
That's something important for us to take away. If Jesus repeats something, you best listen. It's kind of like when, when you're young and your mom says something and she says, don't make me repeat that. Why? Because you know you should have gotten it the first time around. Anybody say amen to that? Anybody being whooped because of that? Amen? Yeah, exactly. Right? When Jesus repeats something, you best listen. And what Jesus is repeating is that he is light and everything else is darkness. Not just this world, but the system of this world. Our flesh, our desires, even our passions and dreams. How many of you know that people say, follow your heart, find your passion, find your truth. Darkness, darkness, darkness. Understand that we are born into darkness, we live in darkness, and we die in darkness, and all too often we slip into an eternity of darkness. Had it not been for Jesus, there would just be darkness. I watched a a special on the Discovery Channel some time ago. That shouldn't uh, surprise you. Uh, We oftentimes watch, I think we've watched every animal show on Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, and every other, Disney Plus, every other streaming. But I watched one that was fascinating. It was all about these uh, these animals, these fish that live in these deep underground caves that are just blind, right? And uh, it's fascinating because these, uh, these cave people, I don't know what they're called, people who go invade caves, uh, explorers, they go into these caves, they're spelunkers, they go into these caves, and uh, it's the first time any light, to their knowledge, has been inside of a cave. And so here are hundreds and hundreds, thousands and thousands of years, to our best knowledge, of creatures that have been living in the dark, not known anything but darkness. And these people turn on a light, and the reaction is instant. Even to these blind fish, there is something inside of them that reacts to light. Here's the problem with living in darkness, only having only known darkness. You have no perception of light. We have no understanding of light. If you are born into darkness, you live in darkness, spend your life in darkness with those who are coded in darkness. You have no understanding or concept of light. And so what Jesus is doing here is he's trying to give a basic construct and foundation and understanding of what he is doing. Hey, it's dark. Hey, I am light. I am bringing this into the world. I am bringing this into the darkness. I am the only type of light there is. Everything else that claims to be light is just another type of darkness. Church, can I just just challenge you on that? Please. Anything else that claims to to be light is just another alternative of darkness to the darkness. It may not be as dark as that dark, but it is still dark. It is still without light. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the only light. And understanding that when Jesus is speaking here about coming into this darkness, it is a precursor, a foreshadowing of the nature in which we will, he will enact in his second coming. And here, here's where it gets interesting. By the way, that word remains is a tip of the hat to depravity. 
Jesus says, you know, anyone who doesn't walk in the light remains in darkness. It has the understanding, which Jesus just taught to us a couple verses previous, that we are born into darkness, from darkness, live in darkness, die in darkness. There is a depravity. There is a pre-existing condition, if you will. Pre-existing condition, if you will, okay, that is inside all of us, and that is called Depravity. If you want to listen or learn more about that, jump into last week. We spent time with that. But look at this in verse 27, verses, uh, I'm sorry, verses 47 and 48. And then we're going to jump over to Hebrews. But look at this, 47 and 48. This is, this is really interesting. And we're going to spend the, the bulk of the rest of our time right here. This is Jesus speaking now. Look at what he says. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. Now look at this in verse 48. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. Now this is interesting because let's tie this over to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter nine. In this verse, if you allow it, this, this, this chapter in this verse, verse 27 and 28 of Hebrews chapter nine, if you allow it to, is going to kind of rock your perspective or your perception of Jesus. Watch this now. Just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. Here we go, verse 28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. This is interesting now. Don't forget that Jesus is God. And the first time around that Jesus shows up onto the scene, the incarnation of Jesus, the first time that he shows up, what did Jesus come here to do? Save, seek, and save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus spends the lion's share of his time telling people about himself. I am the light. I am light. Don't remain in darkness. Follow me. Leave your father. Leave your mother. Leave everything. Love me more than everything else. Put me above everything. Follow me. Let the dead bury the dead. Just follow me. Come after me. That's what he spends his time doing. And then Jesus ascends to heaven, leaves us the Holy Spirit. But we do believe, biblically, that Jesus is coming again. Amen? Yes. We hope that happens sometime later today, okay? <laughs> the sooner the better. That's called the second coming of Christ. Here's what's challenging. When Jesus returns the second time, it's going to be different from the first time. Jesus' second coming will be marked by administered judgment, not extended forgiveness. This is important for us to understand. The second coming of Christ will be marked by administered judgment, not extended forgiveness. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean a lot by that, okay? The first time around, Jesus is spending time telling people about God the Father, offering hope, offering life, offering forgiveness, forgiveness to anyone who would believe in him. Amen? We agree with this? Yes? But the second time around, when Jesus comes into this world, he will be the judge, I don't know here, it seems like maybe they're saying the opposite, that Jesus isn't here to judge, and that's, that's God's job. Hold on, back up. The incarnation, Jesus is God. And so the understanding that we have of Jesus in scripture as he walked this earth is one of forgiveness, hope, redemption, mercy, yes, all those things. But the second time he shows up, it's going to be administered judgment. We will 
you will, apart from Christ, in your darkness, be judged by the sin that is in your life. Now understand, we don't like this. I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this because we, we don't like this at all. People don't like that Jesus. We don't like that Jesus. We don't like the Jesus that judges. We don't like the Jesus that says no. We don't like the Jesus that says you're wrong. You don't like the Jesus. We don't like the Jesus that says not happening. We don't like the Jesus that says I don't know you. We don't like the Jesus that says you can have no part of me. A couple years ago, we, we taught through a sermon series called The American Gospel. We made, made this claim that if you add anything to the gospel or take anything away from the gospel, it ceases to be the gospel. But can I tell you something about Jesus? If you add anything to Jesus or take away anything from Jesus, he ceases to be Jesus. Just because we don't like the second coming of administered judgment through Jesus doesn't mean that it is not true. It is truth authoritatively from, from Scripture. We love the relational Jesus. We love the raise our hands and feel good Jesus. We love the walk with me through my tough times Jesus. And Jesus is all those things, 100%. But we equally must accept Jesus the judge. We must. We must accept Jesus the judge, Jesus the administer of justice. Stop. Okay, back up. I, I'm just yelling so much. It's just all coming across like just loud. So let me give some dynamic. Stop trying to create Jesus in your own image. That's idolatry. And Jesus will not be your idol. Jesus will not be fashioned by your own hands. And I get it. I, I do this. I do this in my life. I try to justify sin in my life. I, I, I try to justify sometimes the way that I speak to my wife or my kids this way. Relationships I have, things I think about, things I, whatever it is, I try to, but, but understand when that is fashioning Jesus into my own image, creating him. Well, Jesus would understand. Jesus would get me. Jesus would understand. Jesus would do this. No. You need to accept Jesus for all that he is because he is fully God. He is not kind of God. He is not sort of God. He is not somewhat like God. He is God. He is light to the glory of God the Father. Instead of becoming who we want him to be, Jesus is going to be who we need him to be. Because more than my desires on this earth, more than food in my stomach and money in my account, I need forgiveness. I need restored. I need a connection with God the Father more than I need a nice car, more than I need nice things, more than I need comfort, more than I need relationships. I need God. I need out of this darkness. And the only way out of this darkness is through God. And the only way to God is through Jesus. But the only way to Jesus is by accepting Jesus as he gives himself to us, which is not just man, but equally God, which is not just grace, but equally judge. And I know we don't like that. I know that pushes back on the, the societal, culturally relevant, neutral Jesus. My friends, it is truth. It is reality. It is who Jesus 
is. And Jesus Christ, as he's speaking here about his understanding of God the Father, at no point is Jesus saying, I'm not God, I just speak for him. Not at all. Jesus is reminding us here. Not only is he speaking God's word, not only is he speaking on behalf of God, he is speaking as God. He's not just speaking from a fleshly perspective. He's speaking from divinity, from deity, knowing that his words are truth. Jesus is equally stating his submission to God the Father through his life and his works and his actions. Submission. He's also speaking of his understanding of God the Father. He's speaking of his confidence in God the Father. And he's speaking of his obedience to God the Father. And can I just tell you this? If Jesus can, can submit to God, if Jesus can have confidence in God, if Jesus, who is God, can be obedient to God, to the, to, even to the point of death and rising from the grave, then we should be willing to do, this, do the same thing equally in our lives. Well, I don't like that. We don't get to like it or not like it. We get to obey. That's some of my younger kids aren't in here, so I can say this. They're still in like the kids ministry. I had this conversation with one of my kids. I won't write them out completely. The other day where I said, do this. And he said, but I don't want to do that. (laughs) Any parent in here ever had that happen? To when you're like, oh, a pastor's kid. I can't believe he said that. Yeah, he'd be surprised. Um, but I don't want to do that. To which I replied, I didn't ask for your opinion. And whether you want to do that or whether you don't want to do that has no bearing on the fact that I told you to do it. And I am your father. And you will do as I ask you to do. You have to understand the words of Jesus. Yes, they offer hope, life, grace, mercy. But there is a strong judge in the man and the God, Jesus Christ, that we must submit, surrender to. And the incarnation points us directly to that. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes, bow your heads this morning. I want you to reconsider the man, Jesus Christ, not just the baby in the manger, but the judge who rules and reigns with the earth as his footstool. The judge that God says, I have given all authority to on heaven and on earth and under the earth. All authority is given to Jesus Christ. That at the name of Jesus Christ, all should bow. Please, this time of year, do not forget the judge, Jesus. Surrender. Submit. Take a moment right now to reflect.